Man, I'll start with you. Well, it's God's will that you come together, that we can all be encouraged and um, build up in our most holy faith. We have a heavenly calling over our life to Jesus. And it's a high and holy calling. And um, I thought of the words that uh, it says about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1. If you could speak up a little bit, Dan, I'm sorry, but in the back can hear you. Appreciate it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews chapter 1. And uh, I was thinking about what it says about the Lord Jesus. I'll begin reading from verse 8. But unto the Son, he says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness. It is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore thy God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they shall wax old as does a garment, and as the vesture shall thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. What a, what a reliable foundation to build on. It's never going to be different. There are always people that like to have change. They want to. They want to. Uh, well, we have we have today so much. I hear so much talk about putting a twist to truth, that, uh, so that it isn't truth anymore. Giving it a spin, you know, spin it, spin it. I have to think of. Bill Riley, I, I listen to Bill Riley sometimes, and he says, oh, just facts, no spin. That's what he speaks. So, now, that's what we want from God's Word. From one who speaks God's Word, he's supposed to speak as the oracles of God. Not a spin, not uh, making it, uh, giving a little twist so that it fits the way I want it to say in my humanness, but to be like our Lord Jesus, love righteousness and hate iniquity. How could I say, and that's my question, how can anyone say, I love Jesus, I love to follow Jesus, but not love righteousness and hate iniquity? In every form it comes. So, that's what we're called to, and um, in Philippians, in Philippians chapter three, um, 
relief from that. <coughs> I'm not going to start in the beginning, but we know Paul, he spoke about this, how he counted everything as lost, that all the credentials he had as a, as a Jew, uh, as a Pharisee, uh, he counted all lost to win Christ. And um, then in verse 14, he says, I press forth the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's a calling that everyone who has uh, come to faith in Jesus and surrendered their life to has. It's a high calling. And uh, it makes it brings me back to the beginning of my uh, faith in Christ. Um, when I spoke to the first preacher that I listened to or had after I left the Amish church, um, I spoke of my faith uh, to him of an overcoming life that we don't we don't have to remain the same. We don't have to continue to make the same failures make the same mistakes year in and year out. There's development, there's growth that we can overcome. He said, yeah, I used to think that way too in the early, earlier time, but I found it just not possible. Now, will such a preacher lead people to holiness? Will such a preacher lead people to an overcoming life? Of course not. It's like, Stripping away that hope that's in our heart when we first come to Jesus. We come to Jesus, and, and, and I will say this, if we come to Jesus only to have our sins forgiven, but have no concern about change, about an overcoming life, about victory over my way of behaving, so that I can make my uh, environment better, I can make my home better. I can make my family better. I can make it more pleasant to be with me because that's what Christianity is all about. It's becoming people who are good to be with. People who have understanding and are merciful and good but will not cheat. They will not lie. They, they, uh, there's so much to find about us in ourselves. Our emotions and feelings can be driving our life on and on, year in and year out. My opinions can have a, a devastating effect on the way I treat my wife, my children, my neighbor. It's all, it's all in that self-will that Jesus always refused to obey. That he, he said, I always do the will, the will of the Father who sent me. Um, I didn't come to do my own will. Now, we are chosen to be his disciples. If we have hated our own life, 
That's the question. How much have we hated our own life? How much have we hated the behavior that we've discovered that is damaging, that is selfish, that is so devastating to human life? It's, it's stuff that Satan has rooted in us that we need to get rooted out. So, I want to read on here. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, that's what, let us therefore as many as be perfect. What is the meaning of that? As many as be perfect. I, I, I take it to mean as many as have that longing, that desire, that, that burning desire that you can't quiet down to be perfect, to be more perfect. It says, be thus minded. What to be thus minded? To press toward that mark. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing, Brethren, be ye followers together of me, and mark them which walk as you have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Many walk. What is the walk they are walking? And what is the message they are proclaiming? It says they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. And it reminds us that what John says, love not the world, nor the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what my flesh is made up of. That's what all flesh is like. And that's in the time span that God has given me to live on this earth, is my time to be able to overcome all that. But I must take it radically serious. I must not just say, well, Jesus forgives sin. So if I fail, I just don't get forgiven of sin. Well, I'm not arguing with that. But that should not be the way I settle everything in my mind of my opportunity to make it to heaven with Jesus. It's like I want to, it has to be so that I hate myself. And I'm not satisfied with just forgiveness. I want more than that. I want to overcome it. Because that way I can make my wife more happy. I can make my children. Uh, I'd be more pleasant to be around. I won't be that, that uh, difficult person to have to do with. I have to hate that stuff that makes damaging relationships. So, let us press on to that, and 
it says, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. I praise God for such a great deliverance. But we must not be double-minded. James speaks about double-mindedness. We must not be double-minded. We must have a single heart for this life that comes from heaven. We must give ourselves wholeheartedly for that. Um, you know, this life is short. There's chaos in this country right now. It's terrible, though, what's going on. And people uh, need an anchor. They need a foundation to, to live their life by on and to give their life a good foundation, which is Jesus Christ. And it says in, in, in Corinthians chapter 3, I think it is, 1 Corinthians, no, no foundation. No other foundation can any man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation upon which we build. And if we build on that foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble, it shall be revealed what it is by fire. So let us press on uh, and give ourselves wholeheartedly so that we can be useful in God's kingdom. Um, so we're not just like people, many people like to go to church and listen to the great preacher, but all they are is dancing on it. And they talk about the good message that they heard, but it doesn't do anything to change their life. And uh, that's, not, that's not what we're called to. May God bless all of us with a zeal for God. Jesus said, he that overcomes, even as I overcame, shall sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. That is my goal. I want to be an overcomer like that. Sometimes, you know, it causes you to weep over what you still see. And, and, and Satan wants to take, take that and jam it down your throat and say, you ain't going to make it. You might as well settle for the way you are. No, we don't have to because Jesus made promises. Jesus made promises and those promises are true and Jesus does not change. His word is forever settled in heaven. He's not going to change his message because people just can't make it. Is he, is he going to redo re things to make room? This message is the same today as it was back when he first said it. So God give us grace to make our calling and election sure. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Look in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10.
while we're turning there, I was thinking, as Dan was talking towards the end there, I remember there was a group when I was a young Christian, and they made a song called, You're Just a Beautiful Love Song in the Night. And it goes on to say, Nobody Wants to Tell You Wrong from Right. He was talking about how they were this musical group, they were singing these contemporary gospel songs, and people would tell them how, and they would pat them on the back and tell them how great what they were singing was and everything, and it says, and they would just go and do exactly what they wanted. They wouldn't, in other words, they were just a, a beautiful song and that was it. They weren't really getting the message of the song. And it's kind of like what you were saying, you know, uh, we, can hear, we can hear a great sermon and a great preacher on the radio and a church and wherever, you know, somebody can lift you up with a good word and everything. But if you don't take heed to it, then it's just like a beautiful love song in the night, you know. So we're in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. And I share this message every summer, I guess it is, uh, because this is a message that I first heard from a, a friend of mine, a, a Christian brother who was one of the pastors up at a church in Quakertown, and he wrote a he wrote a track called One Thing is Needful, and it's from this passage here. And so I'd like to read it, and then we'll... Uh, and the points that he made... Uh, <clears throat> had a very strong impact in my life and I think in, in the impact of other people's lives too. So when the points that he made from it. So uh, verse 38, Luke uh, 10, 38. Now it happened as they went and he entered a certain village, a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. <clears throat> But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me alone to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, if you meditate on this passage for a while, it says a lot. A lot more than meets the eye on first glance. You get the picture here. This is the two sisters of Lazarus in the town of Bethany. And Martha welcomes Jesus into the house. And there's a sister, Mary. And Jesus is speaking, and Martha's running around get preparing a feast or whatever, and it says that she's distracted with much serving. But there's Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to what Jesus was speaking. And so Martha, she gets annoyed at her sister to the point where she goes to Jesus and says, look at my sister. She's just sitting here. Tell her to come and help me. You know? And I guess that What's kind of you think is happening here is that Martha thinks that Jesus is going to rebuke Mary. <laughs> but he doesn't. As a matter of fact, the tables are completely turned and he turns to Martha. And she's the one that gets the correction. Martha, Martha, you are distracted and troubled.
You're anxious and troubled about many things. You're worried and troubled about many things. But there's only one thing that's needful. And you see Mary? She's the one who's doing that one thing that's needful. What is the message in that? There's a message in that. What is it? It's so simple. It's like sometimes we don't see the trees because the forest because the trees are in the way. It's, it's that simple and sitting right in front of us. We get too busy. And that's, that's the message. We get too busy with minding earthly things. And when you look at what Martha's doing here, she's doing the work of the ministry. She's serving. Supposed to serve. Says it in the Word of God. Says it in the New Testament. We're supposed to serve. But there's a time for that. But the time for it wasn't the, that time. Because the Lord was speaking. And there was two people in the same house. One person was hearing the message. And the other wasn't. <clears throat> you know, when you look at the parable of the sower and the soil, in the third type of soil that Jesus talked about, talks about the thorns coming up and choking the Word of God so it becomes unfruitful. And one of the things that he mentions is that is cares of this life. The things of this life that keep us busy. And we get too busy. We, we become busy with the, the affairs of this life to the point where we have no time to hear what God's saying. And that's the message that's in this. There was Jesus sitting there, Son of God, Creator of the heavens and the earth, speaking. Mary was in a place to hear what God was saying. Martha wasn't. And that's the question that comes to us. Are we taking time to hear. Because the Spirit of God is speaking. Surely the enemy is speaking. Our society is speaking to us. The media. Everything is speaking to us. But there's a small voice. That still small voice. That's also speaking. And are we taking the time. In our busy, busy, busy lives. To slam the brakes on. And say I need to spend time with the Lord. What is God saying? What is Jesus saying today? What does the Holy Spirit want me to do with this day? Now, I've had many of those days like Martha, and I'm sure you have too. To the point where sometimes I hear the, the echo, Martha, Martha. <laughs> and you know, I remember one of those days was when I was a young man, younger man, I should say. I remember being all wound up. I had a million things to do with my day off. And I'm running around like a chicken without a head. And I'm getting towards the mid-afternoon. And I say to Kate, you know what? I ain't getting anything done. I says, I'm running around like I'm doing all this stuff. And, and everything seems to be going wrong. Everything seems to be backfiring. You know, it's just like this day is, is a complete waste. I just feel like this day is a complete loss, a complete waste. I've wasted my day off. And then the Lord spoke through my wife and said, well, 
And the Bible says, whatever we do for the Lord, whatever we do in word for in deed, do is unto the Lord. He says, if we're, you know, whatever we do as unto the Lord, we're serving the Lord. That day's not a waste. We may not get everything on our agenda done. Now, quote, our agenda, which we could say is our will, as well as our agenda. Um, so, what I come to realize through days like that is that, you know, God is telling me I need to change. That my priorities aren't right. And if we don't hear this message, the Spirit of God is going to begin to press upon us that our priorities are not right. And frankly, that process could go on for years and years if we don't get it. The Bible says that we should order our conduct the right. We set, set our, our lives in order the way we should the way we should. They should be. And the priority of hearing from God. And having fellowship with Him. Now is Martha doing something bad because she was serving? I mean, she's she's doing all these this stuff. And we can be, quote, serving God and serving God this way and serving God that way and serving God the other way. But are we in being connected with him? We're making a connection with him? We hearing from him? We we having really having a relationship and fellowship with him? I can tell you it's very easy to stray from that. Many of us know that this, this there's we've heard this in some way, shape, or form before. But the fact is, is that I know for myself, speaking for myself, I need to need to remind myself of this message continually. Because it's our natural inclination to busy ourselves with the affairs of this life. And there are things that are necessary. Job, fellowship, ministry, taking care of our children, looking after their needs, you know, spending time with our family, spending time with our neighbors, reaching out to those who are suffering and in need or lonely. But above and beyond, well above and beyond all those things, there's one thing that's needful. And you know, I've said it, others have said it, I don't have time. And you know, when I've heard myself say such statements like that to myself, after I, I, it says, boy, that just sounds so ignorant to me that I'm saying that. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that if, I'm not, if I don't have time for that, <clears throat> there's an old saying in Christendom that says, if you're too busy for God, then you're too busy. That means things have got to change. That means that we need to reset our priorities in our life. And, like I said, this is not a new message for many of us, but the fact is, is that we may not have gotten it. We're still not embracing and living by these truths of the Word of God. That God wants more from us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants to hear from us. And He wants to speak to us. He has a message for us every day. 
So, oh, I read the Bible every day. That's great that we're reading the Bible every day, but is God speak? are you hearing God speak to you when you're reading from the Word of God? Or is it just getting a chapter in? We're doing the Bible in 365 days. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but if that's all it is, then there is something wrong with that. We're taking the time to let God speak to us. This is the living Word of God that does not change and abides forever. This world will not last forever. The things in this world will not last forever. <coughs> but the Word of God will live and abide forever. And when we're looking into the Word of God, are we looking for God to speak to us? Or are we just getting some time, Bible reading time? I've been there, I know. And boy, When that's all it is, I can tell you that it can be very distracting. I'm not getting anything out of it. But we're, if we have, when we're looking into the living Word of God with a hopeful expectation, the Bible says that the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and is able to discern the thoughts and intentions of our very heart. The dividing of the soul and spirit. God's Word is powerful. We'll get right in there in the deep inside of it. Do we want that? Do we want to have God speak to us in a way that we can hear it? It's because you say, well, I can't, I'm not hearing from God. It's not because God isn't speaking. Look in the book of Proverbs. His wisdom is crying out in the streets. That God is speaking through the things we created and through nature. God is speaking everywhere and every day. But are we in a position? That's the real question. Are we in a real position to hear God speaking? And if we're not, then we have to change. The Spirit of God is saying, not, not me, the Spirit of God is saying that we have to change. Our lives need to change. And until we do, we're going to be on that merry-go-round and hearing that same message, God speaking over and over again, and maybe we're not even hearing it. What is God saying? I'm not hearing from God. My relationship with God is really dry. We need to be in a place where we can hear from God. We need to let go of the flesh and let go of lesser things. Rise up, O men of God. Be done with lesser things. That's how the hymn goes. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. Mary got it. Martha, she was angry with Mary. That's like you being alone with the Lord and having great fellowship with Him. And a friend or a family member, somebody say, why are you wasting time there? We got this to do, we got that to do, we got the other thing to do. That's exactly what it is. But yet sometimes our priorities are that way. We would never let those words come out of our mouth, most of us. But sometimes we act like Spending time with God. It's a waste of time. We're wasting our time. So nobody would ever say that, but if we look at how we're ordering our lives, sometimes that's how we're living. Like, there's much more important things to be doing than that. <laughs> it's time to change. The Spirit of God is saying to us, it's time to change. It's time to be like Mary. Jesus is speaking. Get ourselves in a place, sitting there, right there underneath his feet. 
What is the Lord saying? We say, well, what is He saying? And then as we get ourselves in that right place, begin to hear Him speak. We'll take one example from the Gospel of John. Chapter 15. John 15, beginning in verse 4. Abide in me. The word abide means to remain or stay. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You see the need and necessity for this relationship, for this walk with God, as a priority in our lives. And if we're too important for it, we're not going to do anything. Oh, we can do a lot of stuff. You know what a treadmill is? Everybody knows what a treadmill is. You're sitting there running, and as that thing goes faster, you're running, you're running, you're sweating. Where are you going? You're going nowhere fast. You're staying right in that same spot. And that's kind of like what we are when we're just doing, our, doing things according to our own way, according to our own priorities. We're just working up a sweat and going nowhere fast. That's why Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. What he means when he says you can do nothing, he means you can't bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit without him. We can't do with his will without him. And that requires coming to Jesus. How many places do you see Jesus say, come to me? This open invitation. Come to me. Receive from him. Come to me all you labor and are heavily laden. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Well, I can't, you know, Jesus, we can't see him. How can we come to him? We can come to him, to a relationship with him, for being born of the Spirit. We have a relationship with him. And we come to him by taking time to come to him. And we come to him in prayer. We come to him and look to hear from him in his word. We come to him in all sincerity and truth, we come to Him. Because without Him, without coming to Him, our lives are, we're living our lives in vain. But He says... 
He who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. Verse 7, if you remain or abide in me and my words remain in you, you will ask what you desire and shall be done for you. You see, as we draw close to God in this relationship, everything changes. Our prayer life changes. Our prayers begin to become answered. Things happen. He says, verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So will you be my disciples. He said, well, bearing fruit. What does he mean by bearing fruit? A vine bears fruit. The branches of a vine bear fruit because they're connected to the vine. We're connected with Jesus. That's how we bear fruit. What does that fruit look like? It looks like what it says in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. Not just peace with others, peace in the soul. Colossians says, let the peace of God rule your hearts. The peace of God that passes all understanding. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Not the fruit of nature. It's fruit of the Spirit. Not natural. Love, joy, peace. Gentleness. Kindness. Goodness. Self-control. There's a whole list there. If I got them on. But the fact is, these are the things that come from the heart. There needs to be a change, a conversion of the heart. And as we abide in Christ, this is what happens. We bear the fruit of the Spirit. But are we in a place to hear that? You know, we can be conditioned to think spiritual means knowing all the doctrines of the Bible. Having correct doctrine. Which is good to have that. It's encouraged in the Bible. And having the gifts of the Spirit. Strong, powerful gifts of the Spirit. Anointing of the Spirit. And we hear churches as all that they're about is finding the gifts and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Nothing wrong with that. It's in the Word of God. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not fruit of the Spirit. There's a big difference. And that's why it says in Corinthians, in the love chapter, it says, though we have all knowledge, though we have all these gifts, though we have all this stuff and have not love. So Jesus says, we're nothing. We're not accomplishing anything spiritual. Not spiritual. You know, I, you know, anybody can preach, you know, to, to people that are lost and all these other and preaching to people and and preaching sermons and getting on TV and preaching like an evangelist or anything else, but if they don't bear the fruit of the spirit, can't do nothing. Can't do anything. Jesus said, "Being spiritual is bearing the fruit of the spirit. That's spiritual. Not having Bible knowledge, loving one another." continue in verse 9 
As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I kept my Father's commandments and remained in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus qualifies right here in this spot what he's talking about when he says love one another. You see, see what I did, Jesus said? He said, love one another as I have loved you. How did I love you? I gave my life for you. Lay down your lives for each other. Put others before yourself. Painful, sacrificial, put yourself on the cross kind of love. He says, if you hear this message, he says, that your joy, my joy will remain in your, you, and your joy will be full. I remember one time feeling very joyless. And I came across this and God woke me up. Said, this is the why. You're so miserable. You feel so sour like a dill pickle. This is because you're not loving others the way I love. You're not laying down your lives. Your love only goes so far and no more. Thus far and no more. There's kind of a line drawn that you're not going past. And that's not the love that Jesus is talking about here. Love one another as I have loved you. And this is the kind of thing that if we're listening, that we'll hear. If we're in a place to hear this, that we can embrace and make changes in our lives. So that when you hear the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Love your enemies. Do good to those who have done evil to you. Bless those who curse you. And those who use you and speak evil of you. Rejoice. Jump for joy. Great is your reward in heaven. Do good to those who do evil to us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. The love of Jesus. The life that Jesus lived, he calls us into. When he says, he who follows me will not be in darkness, it means following his teachings. It means following his life. The way he lived. And that's the question. Are we hearing it? Are we, are we in a place that we're hearing it? Read in the book of Revelation. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. 